0: Hello, and welcome to Power Pros Podcast, episode 198. I'm your host, the Hoff, Chris Hoffman, and with me is my co-host and nemesis, Pete Mashad.
1: Holy smokes, 198 already?
0: <laughs> yes, indeed. And we are back once again to talk about what is going on in the world of Nintendo, which includes not only the latest game impressions, but also this week's big topic, which is gaming's most satisfying moves. Before we get to that, though, we will start things off with some game impressions, beginning with a game that I have been very anxiously anticipating, and that is Shantae and the Seven Sirens on Switch. Disclaimer, I might be a little biased on this one, since this is from WayForward, where I am employed. But uh, nonetheless, I am super excited about this game. It is the return of Shantae, the half-genie hero, in all her glory, in an all-new adventure, doing what she does best, whipping bad guys with her hair, transforming into animals, and, of course, dancing. The fast-paced gameplay from the previous installment, Shantae Half-Genie Hero has returned, and it builds upon the action and platforming and HD graphics of that game while also returning to the non-linear Metroid-style exploration of the original Shantae and its sequel, Shantae Risky's Revenge, and then it throws in the easy-to-use and instantly accessible transversal abilities from Pirate's Curse, plus their towns, side-scrolling dungeons, even a dancing mini-game. It's basically a Shantae Greatest Hits that includes all of the most popular features of past games in the series. Also, like past Shantae games, it has a great sense of humor. There are all kinds of fourth-wall-breaking jokes. Like, you know, one character is like, oh, I could have done this two chapters ago or something (laughs) like that. There are also little nods to past games. You know, Squid Baron returns. He's extra goofy. Yet, at the same time, the game is also mysterious and creepy. But don't take my word for it. Pete, you've been playing this game as well. I'd love to know what your thoughts are as an outsider playing this title.
1: Yeah, I'm really having fun with it. I feel like it is, you kind of hit the nail on the head with the Metroid style. It really has that non-linear, you know, you jump around, you go to these different areas. Each area kind of has its own theme and feel.
0: Right, but it's all interconnected and you get new moves, you explore new areas. Mm -hmm.
1: That's right. And then you're constantly seeing things that you wish you could do because you could get to a new area if you could only get rid of this brick wall or you could... Only right, right. You know, dig through the sand or something, and eventually you learn uh, how to do such a move, and you come back and you, you know, pilfer and loot all the uh, goodies. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly i would say this game does indeed have a great sense of exploration and discovery and like you said shantae does learn plenty of great abilities throughout her adventure she can now turn into five new creatures and this time she does not need to dance to do it you just push a button and you turn into like a dash nude or a bonker tortoise (laughs) or you press towards sand or water to turn into the gastro drill or a sea frog However, the dances are still in there, but now they function more like a screen-affecting magic spell, like the Seer Dance lets you find hidden secrets, the Refresh Dance heals you and revives things and damages the undead, the Shock Dance sends out a wave of electricity that damages enemies and activates machines. And the Quake Dance destroys obstacles and crushes bad guys. And then on top of that, there are various sub-weapons like fireballs and boomerangs, homing rockets, a shield, mm-hmm. scimitars that spin around Shantae's body, and uh, you know, all that stuff. Just you know, wants you to you know keep playing and exploring and discovering what comes next.
1: Yeah, I almost got like a Castlevania vibe in the sense that uh, you got your main attack with your hair, obviously, but then you can use all these sub weapons, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, you you know, as you're playing, you're probably going to get to this, but. You start to collect these cards of different enemies.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say next. Exactly. Yep.
1: <laughs> and eventually once you start to, you know, get these different powers that you kind of inherit, you can really customize your character to be really, you know the only thing I can really compare it to is something like a Castlevania, where they started to do that where you can like, you know, buff up a certain attribute and now you climb the wall faster or something.
0: Yep, yep. That's exactly what it's like. It is very much like the Dawn of Sorrow and Aria of Sorrow games where you would steal enemy souls in that games, but in this game, yes, every enemy does drop a card, and uh, yeah, it's uh, a lot like that, exactly like you're saying. And each one does offer some kind of power, like maybe you'll use less magic for a particular weapon. Or maybe you'll be able to swim faster, or maybe you won't lose health when you fall in a pit. Or maybe you'll automatically pull in loot from a greater distance. And yeah, there are 50 different cards to collect, and each one has a different power. And it is. It's just really fun to see which ones you can get. And uh, you know, it's like, oh, these powers are really great, but these powers are even better. Which ones do I use? And just trying to make that decision and decide how you want to have your character buffed out is a really, really fun aspect of the game.
1: Yeah, it's cool. And they're really subtle, and and there's nothing stopping you from, you know, oh, I'm low on magic right now. I should probably turn on a buff that gives me more magic. Right. So there is some really cool customization features in there.
0: Yeah, like when you get to a part that has a lot of spikes or pits, I'm like, oh, I'm going to put on the spike defense or something like that. And also, because pretty much every enemy drops a card, it actually gives me a reason to always stick around and fight enemies. Like, even if I'm going through an area I've been through before, it's like, oh let's uh you know defeat all these enemies so i can get all their cards and even if i have their cards you can sell them off and make extra money so yeah i just think it's a great addition to the game and it gives you a really good reason to engage with everything that's going
1: on yeah and i think to that point some enemies are really annoying like you're like i don't really want to fight this guy right now but uh-huh. it kind of encourages you to because you want the card that that enemy is going to drop in their Usually pretty hard to get when you are talking about a hard, difficult enemy. But yeah, anyway, there's some pretty cool advantages to doing so. Yep, absolutely.
0: And you know, it's like I was saying, everything just feeds into everything else, and you get a new transformation power that lets you explore more, and that might let you learn a new dance, and that lets you explore even more, which gives you a new spell, which lets you fight better, and that way you can defeat these enemies and get more cards, and then you want to use these cards, and then you want to explore even more and get even deeper into the game, both figuratively and literally. And I just really love the way that all works, and you know, the gameplay is just silky smooth and just really enjoyable. Like you were saying, there's lots of stuff that will pique your interest and make you want to come back with a new power. And, you know, it's especially true when it comes to acquiring those heart squids for boosting your health or finding those nuggets that you can trade for exclusive cards.
1: Yeah, there really is some encouragement to explore. I definitely like had to remind myself okay, okay I've got to go back to town and beef up my hearts and then
0: uh-huh, yeah. buy
1: some new items and like, you know, I maxed out my gold, so I better spend everything I've got. And <laughs> there's just a lot of uh, reasons to like keep playing and like, you know, all of a sudden before you know it, you're like, "Oh, I've played this an hour longer than I wanted to."
0: Yeah, exploring is really fun, going through the dungeons is really fun. They're kind of like Zelda dungeons, but translated into... 2D side-scrolling action platforming form. I think the story is also really interesting. The boss battles are enjoyable, and they have plenty of variety. So, yeah, I'm liking pretty much every aspect of this game. I feel like if there's only one more thing I could ask for, it would be like, you know, I just wish I could you know, maybe write stuff on the map so I could remember where to go back to next, because there's you know, so many things that you want to do all at once, like you're saying.
1: Yeah, there was a couple times where I thought about that. It's like, if I could specifically put an icon here to remind myself that, like, this one thing is there and then use that icon every time I see something like that. <laughs> yeah, it would definitely be helpful because, you know, yeah, after I'd finish a level, I'd look and be like, well, why couldn't I get over there? And then I would go back and look and it's like, well, it's not because I have the new thing. It's because <laughs> yeah, they're are
0: like, oh, it's the water. I still can't swim through the water. Exactly.
1: Yet. Yeah. So <laughs> there's definitely a lot of moments like that. But, yeah, you know, you start to get the hang of it after a while.
0: I know, totally. I mean, you know, back in the old days, you know, Metroid 1, it didn't even have a map, you know? <laughs> right,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the game looks great, too. The 2D HD visuals are very expressive. The animated cutscenes look gorgeous. You know, I think maybe some people might complain that the soundtrack isn't quite as energetic as some of the past games in the series, but I think that the music that's here works really, really well in the context of the game. I think it fits Both the tropical mood of the surface and then the creepy mood of Down Below. And uh, some of the tombs are just, uh, you know, really rocking as well.
1: Yeah, I thought especially some of the, uh, you know, the Down Below levels really have interesting compositions. It reminded me in some ways of like Castlevania and Metroid, like some of the best of that type of genre. So definitely atmospheric and definitely just, uh, you know, spooky and fun.
0: Yeah, that is high praise indeed. Castlevania is definitely a high watermark. Anyway, you take all those elements, you add them together, and you get a game that I think is a total blast. You know, there really isn't much more I could want out of a Metroid-style game. Oh, and of course, Pete, you know, probably your favorite feature of the game is that Risky Boots is back.
1: (laughs) Well, I was going to say it, but I'm glad you mentioned it.
0: And of course, every time you encounter her, there's even a voice code of Shantae going Risky Boots. You probably just play that over and over and over again, don't you?
1: I was trying to figure out if it was actually you doing the voiceover for that.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm not going to say. Uh, Anyway, as I said, you know, perhaps I'm biased, but I think it is far more likely that this is actually just a really, really fun game. And, you know, I'm not quite ready to commit to this yet, but I think there is a very good chance this might be my favorite game in the entire Shantae series.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's definitely a culmination of past Shantays, and I think it just kind of borrows all the right aspects of all the previous games.
0: Yep, yep, for
1: sure. So, yeah, I don't know where it's going, but I'm anxious to see how it ends.
0: All right, well, I look forward to hearing your thoughts when you reach the epic conclusion. And that probably could conclude our thoughts on Shantae and the Seven Sirens, but No. For our listeners, we have one more special treat, and that is an exclusive interview with a member of WayForward's marketing team.
1: Oh, no way. Awesome. We never have guests.
0: Yes, Pete. We are on episode 198, but this is going to be a PowerPros first.
1: Wait a second. It's you, isn't it?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Nah, oh, man.
0: Anyway, let's get this thing going. Pete, go ahead with your questions.
1: All right. So why make a game about a dancing half-genie? Of all the protagonists you could have, why that?
0: Well, Pete, you know, obviously this series was begun well before my time at WayForward. It was created by WayForward's creative director, Matt Bozon, and his wife, Erin. They came up with the idea back in the 1990s that led to the creation of the very first Shantae game on Game Boy Color, Seven Sirens, of course, is the fifth game in the Shantae Saga. You know, I don't want to go into all that background about how they came up with a character or anything like that. You know, I can't really speak on that. But I heard a rumor once that, you know, originally maybe they wanted to have a red bearded burly Yeti as the main character. (laughs) But then they decided that Yetis and dancing just don't mix and no one would buy that game if they did that. So that's how they went up with the Genie instead.
1: Amen to that. Which Seven Sirens character deserves more fan art?
0: I am going to go with the second boss, the Coral Siren. You know, in this game, you really only see her in her armored pressure suit during gameplay. But, you know, there's an animated cutscene beforehand. And uh, I don't know. I think she's kind of a cutie, you know. (laughs) So far, the Water Lily Siren is the villain getting the most attention, the first boss. But uh, I think the Coral Siren has some potential, you know.
1: All right. So, would you trade me a Slime Whiz card for a Lobster Jogger card?
0: Uh, Well, I guess it depends what side of the trade I'm on. The Slime Whiz is this buff dude in a loincloth with a fish for a head. (laughs) And he is probably the greatest video game character ever designed. So, yes, if you are giving me the Slime Whiz card, and I'm giving you the Lobster Jogger, absolutely, it's totally a deal.
1: And doesn't he, like, throw Magikarps or something?
0: (laughs) Yeah, he does toss fish. I don't know why he's called a Slime Wizard, not like a Fish Head Man or something, but, uh,
1: yeah, that's his deal. (laughs) What's the best new feature of this game?
0: Ah, that's a hard one, because I love the new Instant Transformations, I love the dances, but I think I'm going to go with... The cards, probably. You know, I really like all that other stuff, but with 50 abilities, you know, not only are most of them super useful, but it just was really, you know, exciting to get all those and, you know, really captivated the collector in me. I just really wanted to catch them all, you know?
1: Yeah, I got to be honest, when I first got my first card, I was like, oh, man, not cards because sometimes games do it a little bit cheesy, but this one does it well. (laughs) Glad you think so. Will there be a physical edition?
0: I am so glad you asked, Pete, because there is indeed a physical edition available right now and until June 14th at limitedrungames.com, including both a regular and a collector's edition. There will not be a version available at GameStop or Amazon, though a small supply will likely be available at Best Buy, to the best of my knowledge. So if you want one, do not delay. Get it now or it may be impossible to get.
1: (laughs) That sounded very salesy.
0: (laughs) why thank you
1: (laughs) so when will the shantae action figures from the game be available to purchase and when will the shantae anime come out
0: (laughs) man that is the question that everybody is asking all day long on social media they all want more shantae merch and of course you know neither of those things are actually in the cards as far as i know (laughs) matt actually owns the rights to the characters so that's his domain rather than way forwards but man we would love to see All that happened. We'd love to have more toys, more animation. Believe me, nobody wants it more than we at WayForward do. There is a new Funko Pop that came out. There was a Totaku figurine on the way. But man, we are the biggest Shantae fans out there. And we want all that stuff just as much as everybody else does, for sure.
1: All right. And what are some good snacks to enjoy while playing Shantae and the Seven Sirens?
0: Ah, well, Pete, as you probably know, because you've been playing the game, the answer to that is pulled pork sandwiches. (laughs) I do not know why pulled pork sandwiches are one of the main healing items in this game, but it is, and I can almost guarantee that unless you're a vegetarian, this game will make you hungry for pulled pork sandwiches. So, you know, why fight it? Just make some pulled pork sandwiches ahead of time, bring them out there, put them on a tray, and just snack on them while you're playing the game. You can't go wrong with that.
1: You know, now that you mention it, the food in the game does make me hungry. Like the uh, (laughs) Pokeball, every time I see it, I want to eat one.
0: You're eating Pokeballs now? Crazy. (laughs)
1: So why isn't Shantae in Smash Brothers? Can't you just tell Nintendo to put her in?
0: You know, this is another one of the questions that we get the most. And man, if only it were that easy. You know, the first rule of Smash Brothers is that you don't talk about Smash Brothers. <laughs> and seriously, we are just thrilled and honored to have Shantae and Risky Boots include in Ultimate as spirits. Uh, would more presents be great? Yes, of course. Are we excited that the fans want to see them as playable characters? Yeah, totally. But, you know, you don't just walk up to Nintendo or Sakurai and, you know, tell them that you're going to be in Smash or even ask to be in Smash. You know, they come to you. And if it does ever happen, I probably will not know until the rest of the world does because all that stuff is super ultra classified. But, you know, as a fan myself, I will keep on crossing my fingers.
1: Same here. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Mr. WayForward Marketing team member. I appreciate the interview.
0: Anytime. And I guess that means it's time for us to move on to other stuff we've been playing. Pete, you have been playing another title in addition to *Shantae and the Seven Sirens*, and that is *What the Golf*, right?
1: <laughs> yes, *What the Golf*.
0: And let me tell you, I don't really know much about this game, so please tell me *What the Golf*. What *The Golf* is about.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, this game I hadn't really heard much about it. I saw some screenshots, I think, and I couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. Or what the golf was going on. Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, I thought, why not? I'm going to give it a shot and happen to download it and then play it. And I can tell you it is a very quirky game along the same lines of like a WarioWare. I think that's about the only thing I could really compare it to.
0: A WarioWare? That's not what I would have guessed. I would have thought it was more like Golf Story or, you know, maybe kirby's dream course or something like that
1: (laughs) no warioware but in the best way possible
0: all right well uh, please elaborate
1: you know everything in the game is just scattershot like you just don't know what you're gonna get next you know the only consistent thing and i say mostly consistent (laughs) is that the controls are about the same for everything you're playing you basically hold a direction with the left control stick and then you press and release the a button as like a sense of power so you can adjust the analog stick based on how much power you want to exert in the direction but uh, you don't really know what's going to happen when you release the button
0: okay and what kind of things are you doing are you actually golfing during all these things or what
1: yeah and i say that because you know like the first hole i think is the only hole where you're actually just like Shooting a singular golf ball to a tee, <laughs> and then after that, like the very next scene, you do the same exact thing and you think you're gonna shoot a golf ball, but instead, your golfer's body just goes flying towards the hole. Uh-huh. <laughs> and from that point forward, it just gets nuttier and weirder. Now, that might seem like a very simple mechanic, but the fact that you start to realize that you're like, oh. I really don't know what I'm going to be faced with in the next round or the next level that I'm playing. Like, I just have no clue what I'm going to expect. There's something really refreshing and satisfying in that.
0: So you don't really know what you're controlling until you do it, huh?
1: Well, sometimes. I mean, I would say that, you know, the first example, it's definitely like a goofy one. But, you know, each level could use completely different mechanics. I mean, again, this is kind of like a physics puzzler. But each level kind of has its own like set of rules and own set of like just wackiness. And sometimes you're being asked to, I don't know, shoot a hundred golf balls at a tee. Uh (laughs) And then sometimes you're being asked. A lot of golf balls. Yeah. And then sometimes you're asked to like flip a house to the tee. Okay. Which I know doesn't make any sense when I'm saying this out loud, but I'm telling you, you (laughs) just have to trust me. It makes sense when you play Okay. You know, some levels are sports themed. You know, one area is like first person. Huh. There's riffing on other genres. There's nods to other video games. There's, you know, like a Donkey Kong level, there's a Super Mario Brothers level, there's a Portal level, there's a Guitar Hero level. Huh. <laughs> there's Super Hot level. And then there's even a Katamari Damacy themed level. Okay. Which you know, seems to be one of the games that this is potentially most inspired by.
0: <laughs> Consider what you're saying. I can see that, yeah.
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, sometimes you'll need to tip over cats. Sometimes you'll need to fling cows. <laughs> sometimes you'll drive a car. You'll flip a house. I think I mentioned those. But there's gravity-sensitive areas. Like, there's literally a... a you're in, like, a solar system, and you're shooting, you know, golf balls off one planet <laughs> to a next... And they're all affected by gravity of things around it.
0: Okay, that does indeed sound bizarre. But
1: it's all really fun. I will say, you know, they do use a lot of really cool mechanics or ideas. But it's crazy because sometimes it's just used in one level. And you're like, hey, I really (laughs) had fun doing that. But I that's it and I'm never going to see it again <laughs> or maybe you'll see it again but who knows you like it just seems bizarre like that oh no. sounds cool oh and then the other funny thing is that uh at the end of each level you just get this weird like message and <laughs> and like you know what the golf is kind of an example of one of those messages but like you might do a cow level and then at the end of it it just says like cowabunga hmm and That sounds really dumb, I know, but when you first (laughs) start playing, there's just these really funny things that happen. And I think just that element of surprise, just, I don't know, if you were playing with a group of friends or even myself, I was like chuckling about some of the things that it would say. And I don't even want to really ruin it, but there's like one where it's like a portal reference, like the ball is a lie or something. Mm -hmm. And it's just really cheesy. And I know I can't really sell you on that idea, but I'm telling you, (laughs) if you get into it, You're like, wow, this is actually like really goofy and charming.
0: Mm -hmm. Is the game better with a glass of milk?
1: (laughs) Yes, I would highly recommend a tall glass of milk before you play.
0: All right, good to know.
1: But I will say, you know, it might sound like that's a pretty short-lived game. So far, I'm about four and a half hours in, and I'm only completed about 73%. (laughs) And that is the campaign mode. There's also a party mode which I haven't played, but I assume you can play somehow multiplayer, okay? Or at least like take turns. There's literally a mode called "Show to a Friend," <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's like what you would show somebody if you wanted to show them the game, which is a pretty fun little like you know sequence of levels.
0: Mm-hmm. All the highlights then.
1: There is a daily challenge which apparently is like a handful of different mini games, And you're basically trying to get the fewest strokes possible. And it compares you to a leaderboard with everyone else. Okay. There's some achievements. So it actually shows you how your progress is stacked up compared to everyone else. There are some levels where you can use the gyro controls, but you can actually turn that off and just use the analog stick. But I did think that the gyro part was pretty fun. All right. And then lastly, there's an impossible challenge. And I think it's like, I haven't even got to the end of it, but it's multiple, multiple minigames. And then it gives you your score. And obviously the lower, the better, just like golf. So I think like the lowest person I saw had like a score of 200. So it's a lot of oh minigames in a row. <laughs> yeah. And it even aptly calls it the impossible challenge.
0: Okay. Well, that sounds like quite a bit of content then
1: yeah so all in all totally packed i'm enjoying it it kind of reminds me of like an airplane game and i say that meaning like (laughs) i love a game like that when you just get on the airplane and you just start playing it and then like before you know it you've like landed and you're like how am i still playing this but i'm weirdly addicted to it it kind of reminds me of that (laughs) anyways highly recommend this for anyone who's a fan of quirky physics puzzle type games I do want to say that there's such variety here that I don't think you'd get frustrated with any one mechanic. You know, it's kind of like something like, a, a, again, a WarioWare, where there's just so much different nuance that you're not going to get bored. It's going to keep turning things on its head. I honestly think it's one of the more like exciting from the standpoint of you don't know what to expect next style games I've played in a while.
0: All right, good to know. Sounds very interesting. Uh, do you know how much this one costs?
1: Yeah, I believe it's nineteen ninety nine. I did get it. Like, there's a launch discount. I don't know if that's still going, but it's worth checking out.
0: All right, excellent. Thanks for letting me know. I too have been playing another title on Switch, and this one is Sega Ages Thunder Force AC. And this one is not a crazy golf game. <laughs> it is actually a revised version of Thunder Force Three for the Sega Genesis which was then later ported to the Super NES as Thunder Spirits, but I actually had no idea there was an arcade version of this title. You know, until now, I actually had no clue. But yeah, it's like a modified version of this all-time classic side-scrolling 2D shooter. The main difference between this and the Genesis version being that it's more user-friendly because you can continue right from where you died when you ran out of lives, at least up until a point. Plus, it has better sound and a few levels that are totally different compared to the Genesis version. At any rate, I would say, you know, this is the definition of a classic shooter. You know, it is full of rapid-fire action and screen-filling bosses and crazy background effects and multi-layered scrolling that would make a gamer swoon back in the 16-bit era, you know? And there's not even any slowdown.
1: Yeah, the screenshots look really cool. I don't think I've ever really sunk my teeth into this one. Definitely looks along the lines of like a Gradius or something.
0: Yeah, very much so, only uh, I think even faster paced. It does have a decent variety of weapons, such as a regular rapid fire cannon that powers up into a massive laser, a two-way laser, a rippling wave beam, missiles that fire up and down and glide along surfaces, and then a very useful homing gun. You know, normally you lose your weapons when you die, but I think the real fun is when you actually do get this full arsenal and you can switch between weapons for the situation, kind of like you're playing Axelay or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: The game also has a good variety of environments. It starts in a techno-organic forest. You move along to a fire stage with flame pillars, an underwater stage with these bubbles that sort of push you around, an asteroid field that, you know, sort of evolves into a junkyard, an ancient temple, your requisite mechanical fortress, and then my favorite, which is a huge enemy battleship that you fight from like every angle before going inside it and destroying its core. I replayed that level pretty much as soon as I beat it the first time, just because it was so much fun.
1: Sounds like a nice smattering of environments for a shooter.
0: Yeah, for sure. And of course, each level has a challenging boss at the end, like a robotic t-rex looking thing a giant ed 209 walker a big angelfish shaped craft and uh, you know big wall mounted defense systems that try to shoot you apart while you're dodging blocks they're attempting to crush you so yeah it is still one of the all-time great shooters now on switch and like all Sega ages releases it features a whole bunch of new options and inclusions There are numerous graphical options, including an arcade cabinet mode, plus there are new unlockable ships that were not in the original game, and they have new weapons and play mechanics that you can try out, plus there is a new kids mode difficulty that, unlike the kids mode in Sega Ages Lightning Force, which is also known as Thunder Force 4, it actually does make this game easy enough that anybody can enjoy it. So, yeah, overall, I would say this is a great shooter. It's more accessible than ever and it is still tons of fun to play. I think it is probably in the upper echelon of the Sega Ages releases on Switch and it is very easy to recommend to retro fans or shooter fans for its $8 price tag.
1: But what do you think about Sega being Ages backwards and vice versa?
0: What? <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh, those clever guys. <laughs> Yeah, that's all I have for impressions this week. Pete, did you have anything else?
1: Yeah, I did, Chris. One other thing that I wanted to mention, and we don't typically review any hardware, but I did recently buy something off Amazon that I kind of want to mention on the podcast.
0: Oh, yeah? What's that?
1: Yeah, I was looking into the idea of buying a uh, Bluetooth adapter for the Switch. You know, I wanted to be able to use my Apple AirPods with the console, but don't have the ability to do that, you know, out of the box. Yeah, that's right. So I was looking into some options. So I found this thing called the HomeSpot Bluetooth 5.0 Audio Transmitter Adapter.
0: Wow, that was a mouthful.
1: And uh, essentially, you know, there's a couple... Companies out there making these, but this is the one I bought. Had pretty good reviews, and essentially it's this little dongle you plug into your USB-C port on your Nintendo Switch.
0: Oh, I love the word dongle. <laughs>
1: Well, the cool thing is, is that once you plug it in, your switch actually recognizes it. It actually, your volume controls up in the top left corner when you hit volume, it actually says USB and it has the little volume bar next to it. Oh, nice. Yeah. And essentially, once you've plugged it in, you have the ability to pair it. And it only took me about, you know, I don't know, 10 seconds to get it paired to my AirPods. And then...
0: Oh, I think you meant you had to use a parrot. Okay. <laughs> thanks for clarifying that.
1: <laughs> How dare you. No, once you've paired to this little dongle, you're good to go. And once it's paired, you can just listen to the audio in your wireless headphones. So it's pretty nice. There's a couple different features on it. I guess it has the ability to actually pair two different sets of headphones in case you're playing a two-player game. Okay. And then it also has the ability to have uh, a built-in digital mic.
0: That seems handy. Yeah,
1: so you could actually talk through the little device. The other cool thing is that it doesn't just work with handheld mode, but it also comes with a little dongle and another dongle, a double dongle situation, Mm. where you can plug that in. more dongles, the better. Where you can plug that into your dock. So you can use Bluetooth while it's plugged into TV mode as well, which is another advantage for myself.
0: Cool. And how much does it cost for something like this?
1: Yeah, this one was uh, $34.99. It comes in a variety of colors. There's like gray ones, there's ones that kind of match the system colors. And then there's also ones for the uh, Nintendo Switch Lite, which I haven't tried, obviously, but I assume that it would also be fairly good. So yeah, the latency is good. I'm impressed with the quick and easy nature of it. There are a couple bummers. One is when it's plugged into the Switch console, you can't charge the Switch console. (laughs) So if you're playing in bed or something, when your system dies, that's it. (laughs) But that being said, when you're playing on the dock, you don't have that same issue, obviously. And then the other bummer is that when your Switch goes to sleep, it actually powers off. So it's kind of a bummer if you're kind of goofing around watching like a, you know some gameplay video, and then you go back to playing your Switch. It's like you have to repair it every time. It doesn't take long, but you know it is just a minor hassle if you're not consistently gaming.
0: Okay, well I guess that's definitely something to keep in mind. But you know I had no idea that anything like this existed. It's good to know those options are out there, and it's definitely something I will consider for the future. Thanks much. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely saves me from uh, lugging around a pair of wired headphones exclusively for my Switch. So,
0: Yes, indeed, indeed. Very handy. And that's all we've got for our game impressions this episode. We don't actually have any news we're going to touch on this time, so uh, why don't we move along to a little bit of listener mail. We've got an email this week from listener Michael, and he writes, Dear Power Pros, I absolutely loved your most recent episode, All the Rage, with the soundtrack topic. Though I have to to you guys for years, this is my new favorite episode. The way you move through the music and pick just one track from each game, maybe me want to hear what the next game was, and your pick from its list of songs. I do have to add a few picks to yours, with Secret of Mana being the number one missing one. It should be in the place of Mario Brothers 2. I think someone drank some expired milk for this one to appear. Also, Earthbound... Fancy Life from the 3DS, Mega Man X, and finally, a newer one, I Am Setsuna. There were times in this game that I was playing just so I could continue listening to its beautiful piano soundtrack. Keep up the great work, guys. You have been and are still a highlight of my week.
1: Well, I, overall, I appreciate the compliment, but I don't like the Super Mario Brothers 2 pot shot.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Were you drinking milk when you were playing that game?
1: <laughs> Possibly. I feel like it's very divisive. How about that? <laughs>
0: I don't know if I say there's anything divisive about it, but if there's one thing I can say about music, it is very much a matter of uh, personal taste, as uh, this letter very much proves. But uh, nonetheless, thanks for writing in, Michael.
1: It's true. The heart wants what it wants, Chris.
0: (laughs) Or in this case, maybe it's the ear. And that's all we've got for letters this week. So let us close up the mailbag and then we will take a little intermission, after which we will Hmm. come back and... Yes, Pete? <coughs> Is there a problem? Excuse me. Did you cuff up a hairball? <laughs> a beard ball, maybe?
1: Uh, there was a little milk that went down the wrong pipe.
0: Ah, I see, I see. So can we move on then?
1: Uh, not so fast. Oh, well, what's up? It's time to hassle the hoff.
0: Ah, right. I knew it. Okay, well, let's get the show on the road then. What do you got for me this week?
1: dear video game professor Hoffman yes if you could lock me in a room and make me play one game to completion what would it be
0: (laughs) oh my oh my this is this is quite the tempting offer Pete hmm what game would I pick hmm
1: now it has to be a completable game you can't just make me play bubble bobble until I die
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure Bubble Bobble has a specific final level, but uh, they can't just make you, like, play uh, uh, Donkey Kong over and over again until you get to a kill screen or something like that. (laughs) No.
1: No, I wouldn't. No, please don't do that.
0: I don't know. I mean, part of me wants to say, you know, the obvious one, uh, which is, you know, make you play through all the way to the end of Final Fantasy VI Advance just so I can erase your save file. (laughs) Part of me wants to say, hey, I'm going to force Pete just to play Deadly Towers all day
1: long. (laughs) Wow. That's almost cruel and unusual.
0: But you know, Pete, I don't think I'd want to be that cruel to you. So instead, I would have you actually play a game that you enjoy, one of your all-time favorites. I'd have you play it through from beginning to end, and that, of course, is Mega Man's soccer. (laughs) I know you're always talking about it, you just can't get enough of it. It's one of your all-time faves, so... I'm going to do you a big favor, Pete. Mega Man Soccer. Walked in the room all day long until you score those goals and uh, defeat Dr. Wily with your special fighting robot powers.
1: You know, I feel like I did one time play and beat Mega Man Soccer, but, you know, (laughs) I don't know. It was a long time ago, and I barely remember.
0: All right. Well, nonetheless, once you give me this power, you'll get to play through it all over again.
1: (laughs) Please look forward to it. I'll clear my schedule. Excellent.
0: Okay, then. With that out of the way, I think it's time for us to take our intermission, and then when we come back, we will discuss this week's big topic, which is gaming's most satisfying moves. All right, we are back and we are ready to discuss this week's bigger topic, which is gaming's most satisfying moves. And when we talk about most satisfying moves, I feel like that could definitely be a subjective opinion, but when we're talking about it here, we're talking about something that tends to look cool, be useful, and then also have some manner of risk or setup so that when you pulled off successfully, it's like this feeling of yes, that was just, you know, really satisfying. That was really awesome. And it can pretty much be in any type of game, any genre. You know, naturally fighting games and action games and side scrolling beat em ups might have play mechanics that lend themselves well to that satisfying type of feeling. But I think it can actually be almost anything. Anyway, in the spirit of this concept of gaming's most satisfying moves, here are our top 15 favorites. Starting with number 15, parrying the Guardian Beam with your shield in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. You know, pulling off this move can be a little bit tricky. It takes a good bit of practice, in my opinion. And of course, it is very high risk because if you mess it up, Either your shield gets broken or you get blasted. You get a huge chunk of life drained away. (laughs) But man, when you get that timing down, when you nail it perfectly and you knock back that blast, you send that Guardian flying, you give him a taste of his own medicine. Man, that is a fantastic feeling.
1: Yeah, totally. And it's almost even more satisfying when you use something like a pot lid (laughs) to take out a Guardian. It's an incredible feeling.
0: Yeah, you are not wrong about that. Number 14 on the list, Misako's Stun Gun from River City Girls. You know, this game calls it a stun gun, but longtime pro wrestling fans know the move better as the Stone Cold Stunner. (laughs) And to use this move, you basically smack an enemy around until they're a little bit dizzy, then you grab them, then you press the special move button, And that results in you unleashing the move. You know, you kick them in the gut. And then while they're doubled over, you drop down. You drive them jaw first into your shoulder, which then sends them like, you know, wildly sprawling backward and like bouncing all over the place. So, you know, not only is it a great homage to a classic wrestling move, but it is spectacularly animated, deals a good bit of damage. And just, you know, watching it happen, you know, puts a big grin on my face every single
1: time. Yeah, the Stone Cold Stunner, as it were, is uh, one of the best.
0: Yeah, totally. Number 13, we have Little Max Uppercut from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Naturally, Max Uppercut is basically the strongest move in his arsenal, but there are two problems with it. One, you can't just use it anytime. You've got to earn it by getting a star. And second, it has a bit of a wind-up. But you know, once you get that star, once you stagger an opponent to the point where you can pull it off and nail him with that uppercut, man, that is such a great feeling to watch and just see him take that hit and probably get knocked to the canvas. Again, total satisfaction.
1: Yeah, and it really is tricky to find that one moment where you get to execute your uppercut. And if you use it wrong, you know, it gets like taken <laughs> away or you get a cheap right, shot. Right.
0: And... Yeah, if you get punched, you know, you lose the uppercut. You know, you don't even get a chance to use it. That's like the opposite of satisfying. So yeah, that's why when you actually do get that opportunity and you're able to just nail them with it, man, so good.
1: Yeah, it's all about that uh, high risk, high reward.
0: Mm-hmm. Number 12. Batman's Wall Slam from Batman Returns. (laughs) And I'll be honest, this one kind of breaks the typical criteria that we were talking about for a satisfying move because there really isn't much risk or setup involved, but it is really useful and it is really cool. Basically, you know, it's sort of just a standard throw. You walk up to an enemy, you grab him, but then instead of pushing to the side... And hitting the attack button to throw them, you push towards a background element and you actually smash them through the scenery, which, you know, back when this game came out in the 16-bit era, you know, that kind of thing was unheard of, you know, semi-destructible environments and interactive environments like that. But, you know, you can smash them through a fence or into a street sign or, you know, through a glass window. And, of course, it covers any other enemies that are nearby. So, you know, not only is it useful, but it just has this great visual spectacle and these really excellent sound effects like, you know, the wooden crunches and the metallic clangs of, you know, when he just hits this metal, just like, you know, bong. You know, it just really makes it a fantastic visceral experience.
1: You could almost say it's like breaking the fourth wall.
0: (laughs) Uh, Not quite, but uh, I see where you're going with that. (laughs) I think it's one of the three. Number 11, Sabin's Suplex from Final Fantasy VI. One of my favorite things about Final Fantasy VI is how each character has his or her own skills and sometimes their own unique play mechanics. And Sabin in particular executes these blitzes, which are fighting moves executed through Street Fighter-style button presses. And one of these blitzes is called a suplex. You quickly press x y down and up if you mess up you know he just like jumps out for a second and nothing happens but if you get it right he will jump out towards the enemy grab him fly into the air and then drive it completely upside down into the ground and you know it's super strong and he can do it to almost any enemy and you know I think the most satisfying part and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before is the fact that he can actually suplex a train which is just fantastic <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, suplexes are fun no matter how you cut it, but this one definitely takes the cake.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it's actually a suplex. That's what the game calls it. (laughs) But uh, anyway, you want to slice it. It is a fantastically satisfying move.
1: I'll say a close runner-up would be the suplex from Pro Wrestling.
0: (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Number 10, we have the Paraloop from Knight's Journey of Dreams. And, you know, unlike most of the other moves on this list, this one is not a fighting move and you know it's not even really a violent move. Instead when you fly in nights, you create this sparkly path behind you and if you manage to fly in a loop and you make your sparkly path connect with itself it creates this little burst that catches anything that's inside this loop. That is the paraloop. And that includes any collectible orbs you're trying to grab or even enemies. And small Paraloops aren't unusual. They're easy to pull off. They're not especially satisfying. But when you try to, like, create a really big one and you ensnare a lot of collectibles or catch multiple enemies or especially when you use it to, like, ensnare a boss, that is super satisfying. And it really makes mastering the play mechanics really, really pay off.
1: Yeah, it sort of reminds me of pulling off a really awesome aerial acrobatic in Echo the Dolphin. <laughs>
0: Maybe a little. I haven't played that game too much, but it might even be more satisfying than that, I would say. I think so. <laughs> Next on the list, at eight and nine, they're actually tied. We have Max's Atomic Drop from 3D Streets of Rage 2. You know, I love the Streets of Rage games. Streets of Rage 2 in its 3DS form is awesome. And this is the most powerful move in the game, which I've actually decided to rename the Atomic Buttcracker. <laughs> Atomic drop, no, I just don't think that seems forceful enough. The thing is, you know, in Streets of Rage, you have these different throws depending on if you are grabbing an enemy from the front or from behind, And usually all it takes is a press of the jump button, and you'll vault over the enemy from one side to the other, and you'll change position, and you can do whatever throw you want. But Max is this big, burly wrestler, and he is too muscular to vault over enemies, so you can only pull off this move if you somehow manage to just grab a bad guy from behind. And then you pull off the proper button combination by pressing jump, And then attack. But if you do that, you will, you know, pick them up and then drive them tailbone first right into Max's knee. And it is, for some reason, just totally devastating. There you go. Boom. Atomic butt cracker. You completely obliterate your enemy with it. It's a great hit every single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, that thing will take out anything in the galaxy, really. (laughs)
0: pretty much pretty much and then tying this one is another streets of rage move this one from streets of rage 4 this is what i was actually talking about just last week it is lloyd's double head slam it's much easier to pull off than the atomic butt cracker but you know possibly more risky first of all (laughs) you have to grab one enemy and then you got to grab another enemy before the first enemy gets away from your grip Or, you know, you're attacked and knocked over. So you are kind of vulnerable while you're trying to grab that second enemy. You get, you know, stabbed or whatever. Anyway, once you get that second enemy, though, you you grab both of them, you lift them up, and you smash them right into one another over Lloyd's head. He's got this crazy wild-eyed look on his face. And, man, it is just absolutely glorious.
1: Yeah, I executed one of those, and I was like, wow, did I just do that? (laughs) That's amazing.
0: So you picked it up, huh? (laughs) I did. Oh, very nice, very nice. Number seven on the list, we have the mech transformation from A Boy and His Blob, the Wii version. And throughout this game, you're basically you know, just this boy with this blob, <laughs> and you're kind of weak, you can't really fight. It's much more about solving puzzles and just trying to survive by using the blob's shape-shifting, jelly bean-eating powers. <laughs> but then, at the end of the game, the blob learns to transform into a mech suit, And, you know, you're the boy, you're at the controls of this mech suit, and you can finally just, you know, unload all these enemies that have been harassing you for all these levels. Just, you know, bash the heck out of them. And, man, it is just, like, so therapeutic and totally satisfying to do that.
1: Yeah, it's basically the end of Aliens where, uh, you know, Ripley gets the cargo loader and just goes to town on the Queen.
0: (laughs) Maybe even better.
1: Probably better.
0: Number six, we have Captain Falcon's Falcon Punch, from the Super Smash Brothers series, uh, I'm not gonna lie. There are a lot of satisfying moves in the Smash Brothers games, but you know, definitely one of the top is the Falcon Punch. I mean, first of all, it's Captain Falcon, and you know, he's just kind of a goof. So doing anything with Captain Falcon kind of makes it just a little more satisfying than it would be with any other character. And second, you know. You gotta sort of charge this thing up to unleash it. You know, your opponents tend to know it's coming, but man, when you can do it properly, when you can just sort of you know lure them in, sucker them in, and you connect with that, and you hear them be like, you know, Falcon Punch. You know, that is just satisfaction, guaranteed every time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the sound effect really drives it home. But I also love that you know you can charge it in the air, so you're like. You know, you're kind of flying in from outer space and all of a sudden (laughs) you've just, you're holding down the B button and it's Falcon Punch.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and you just send the dude (laughs) flying to his death. Yep, for sure.
0: Um, But speaking of Smash Brothers, coming at number five, we just have listed the final smash, which, you know, pretty much any final smash in that game is awesome and a whole lot of fun you know but you've got to earn it either by breaking that smash ball or by filling up your meter and then you know it's always this little game of cat and mouse where your opponent is trying to keep away until you lose the ability to use it or you know trying to trick you so you you know fire like right when they've jumped over you or something like that but you know when you connect with it it is almost always a ko and it almost always looks super cool so you know once again just a totally satisfying feeling
1: Yeah, I mean, the Final Smash in general is just this, you know, overwhelming, ridiculous move. And when you execute it properly, there's not a lot better than that.
0: Yeah, completely. It's hard for me to pick a favorite, but if I had to choose, I think I might go with Mega Man's Final Smash, where he brings in, like, the entire Mega Man clan to just blow enemies away. Number four on the list, Link's Downward Thrust Attack from The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. You know, as you play through this game you encounter this undead knight character multiple times who teaches Link an assortment of fighting techniques of varying degrees of usefulness. But one of the best, by far, is this pouncing downward thrust that you can use after you've knocked an enemy over. You, know, you knock him down, you press the A button, and you will just leap right at your enemy, sword first, and drive it right into him, and it almost always, every single time, is an instant kill. I mean, the downward thrust in Zelda 2 is a great fun move, but uh, you're using it in a combat situation like this is something even better.
1: Yeah, and I think what's really fun about this one is that you don't really know it's coming when you get it. It's like you hadn't really seen the downward thrust in a 3D Zelda game, but this one in particular, it's like, oh, holy crap, I get to learn that?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a great one. Number three I guess this is sort of a tie as well. I just put them together. It is the whip it and the Throw from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time. And what happens in this game is that after you stagger an enemy, you can basically do one of two really cool moves to them you can either grab that enemy by the arm and then just sling them back and forth and just bash enemies on both sides of you. It's kind of like that part in Avengers where Hulk just grabs Loki and is just like slinging them all over the place. And, you know, <laughs> slam, 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 slam. So you can do that or... If you uh, push a different direction on the controller when you do it, you can grab the enemy and throw them directly into the screen, you know, full 3D, mode 7, you know, the enemy just totally scales at you and, you know, just like flies right into your face. They're instantly defeated with this, you know, cool special effect, which, you know, of course, was mind-blowing back in the day when this game came out back in the 90s. Uh, so, yeah, executing either of these moves requires a little bit of tricky timing, but, you know, you do it right and it is always a blast.
1: Yeah, I think what's cool about these, and you kind of mentioned it, is that it's just surprising. You know, when you first execute these, I mean, I can almost remember seeing it for the first time just being like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I just did that.
0: I can't believe it's not butter. You
1: know, and I think games are still trying to emulate that to this day, that feeling of like, whoa, I just smashed those (laughs) two guys together or whatever. Yeah,
0: totally. All right. So here we are. We are down to number one and number two. And again, you know, I wasn't able to decide which one I liked better. So uh, I'm calling it a tie once again, but we have pile drivers. (laughs) First of all, we have Hagar's pile driver from final fight. And you know, You know, punching a bad guy, dropkicking him, you know, that's fun, that's one thing, but nothing beats, you know, real-time action of grabbing a guy, leaping into the air with him, and then coming crashing down on his face and just squashing him right into the concrete, you know? I mean, this one, you know, maybe isn't that risky since bad guys don't too often knock you out of the air when you're attempting to do it. But it does take a moment to set up and then it's just, you know, super satisfying to drive them into the dirt and especially to flatten any other enemies that are unlucky enough to be caught in your trajectory.
1: Yeah, I don't know why the idea of getting pile drive by like someone who's a big, big man <laughs> is so compelling, but for some reason it very much is and video games are no different.
0: Yeah, it is endlessly entertaining. Uh, and then, you know, the one time with this is the very similar move from Zangief, his spinning pile driver from Street Fighter 2. You know, it too is really gratifying. You know, just getting close enough to be able to use that move can be tough. And then actually pulling off that 360 degree joystick spin can also be kind of tough, but, you know, you do it right, you get in close to your enemy, and, you know, then you just go flying into the air, you come crashing down, you squash them flat, you drain a huge chunk out of their life meter, and man, once again, it's just one of the most enjoyable things you can do
1: in video games. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Now, it does raise a question. Do you think Zangief and Hagar have, like, you know, shared any notes on the pile driver?
0: Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, they're both Pro wrestlers, so I'm sure that we you know when they're not out there putting on a show for everybody, they're uh, you know backstage and always you know sharing notes and moves and uh, you know devising the best way to pile drive people without actually causing any lasting damage. So uh, yeah, absolutely, I have no doubt about it.
1: I mean, the other option would be that just large shirtless men are born with the knowledge of how to do a pile driver. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, between Final Fight One and Final Fight Two, Hagar did switch from using a regular pile driver to going to a spinning pile driver. I have no doubt that uh, you know Zangief uh, gave him a few pointers in between games.
1: Ah, that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yes, it's almost scientifically proven.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Anyway, a great man once said, "Show me your moves." We have now shown them, and uh, there you go. Gaming's top fifteen most satisfying moves according to PowerPros.
1: All right, now that you've shown your moves, put them away before you get arrested.
0: <laughs> All right, I think I will do that. And uh, now that that is done, I move it time to uh, wrap up this week's big topic as well as this week's episode of the podcast. But before we do that, we do have one more thing, and that, unsurprisingly, is a dramatic reading. This time, it is the eShop description of the Nintendo Switch game, Freak Out! Calamity TV Show Freak Out! Calamity TV Show is a juicy, top-down, dual-stick shooter inspired by old-school arcade games and more recent die-and-retry shooters. In a disturbed dystopia filled with mutants and killing machines, you're the star of a reality show which might get a bit too real. (laughs) Fight your way through the deadly enemy waves. Join the revolution and try to take down the evil fizzy corp. Features. Fast and intense action will blow your mind. Challenge your skills from homeopathic level of difficulty to overdose of enemies. (laughs) Crazy dialogues and characters. Talented artists behind. Killer soundtrack. You cannot play without headbanging. Two-player couch co-op to double the fun. 19 levels with varied gameplay. So close to 20. (laughs) Five chapters with badass boss fights. Beautiful 3D graphics to display all 13 sexy enemy types. (laughs) Customize your gear with various weapons and hero modifiers.
1: Yeah, this one's just weird.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this one is definitely interesting. You know, my favorite part is definitely the 19 levels with varied gameplay, so close to 20. I'm sure that one was intentional. But I feel (laughs) like, uh, you know, they just had like a hat with a bunch of adjectives written in it and they just like pull them out at random and apply them to things and we got 13 sexy enemies okay (laughs) the game is very juicy
1: yeah none of it makes any sense the description is one thing but then the features yeah they just like kind of go off the deep end
0: (laughs) the weirdest one i think is the homeopathic level of difficulty which i'm not sure but i don't even think that's a word
1: Right. I was like, is that homeopathic or like... And
0: even if it was homeopathic, I don't think it makes any sense. Right.
1: I mean, then they say overdose of enemies, but like (laughs) still doesn't make any sense.
0: Yeah. Like I said, it feels kind of like the word equivalent of a Jackie Chan movie. Just reach in, you grab random things (laughs) and you see what you get, but it's kind of enjoyable.
1: It's true. It also is funny to me that every single sentence has an exclamation point at the end.
0: (laughs) So it does. But, uh, you know. That's what happens when you're so close to 20.
1: <laughs> so close to 20.
0: Anyway, that does it for this week. As always, you can find us at powerpros.podbean.com, and you can follow us at Power Pros Pod on both Facebook and Twitter. You can follow me, The Hoff, on Twitter at ChrisTheHoff and you can find Pete at BurlyRed You can email us at powerprosepod at gmail.com and if you like the podcast, it would be great if you told your friends about us. Thanks for listening, everybody. For myself... Pete Michaud Show me your moves And our psychic friend Maya Fay Leave it to your friendly neighborhood spirit medium We will see you next time